0: The Girl Camper Podcast is sponsored by Liberty Outdoors, innovative makers of high-quality, lightweight, towable trailers for every stage of the RVer's life. And Camco Manufacturing. For over 50 years, this company has been making products for outdoor enthusiasts. Whether you are RVing, boating, camping, towing, tailgating, or grilling, Camco Manufacturers has products to help you enjoy your time off. We are also sponsored by our consortium of girl camper-friendly RV dealerships, Bankston Motorhomes with five locations in Alabama and Tennessee, Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Tom's Camperland with three locations in Phoenix, Arizona. Service, integrity, and committed staffers are some of the hallmarks of these reputable dealerships. To visit any of our sponsors, go to GirlCamper.com and follow the links on our homepage. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a Girl Camper. I go places and I do things in my Liberty Outdoors lightweight towable trailers. Along the way, I meet many interesting people traveling the back roads, and I want to share their stories with you. We will talk about the qualities of what makes a girl camper, and how you can be a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party, and you're invited. Stay tuned while I share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Welcome, I'm Janine Pettit. Girl camping ambassador, blogger, adventurist, and podcaster. And this is episode 149 of Girl Camper, the podcast. On this week's show, I welcome Jo Lynn Black. Jo Lynn is retired from a career in IT. She's an avid quilter, and she is a new girl camper in her Bay Star Class A motorhome by Newmar. She's here today to share her journey from girl camper wannabe to road trip warrior. You may think that the big rigs are only for the big boys, but this little Texas Rose is blazing her own trail. Stay tuned to meet jo Lynn Black, Class A, Class A owner. Before we head into our news roundup, I have a message from our friends at General RV, the nation's largest family-owned RV dealership with 12 service locations, six in Michigan, two in Florida, one each in Ohio, Utah, Illinois, and Virginia. It's hard to imagine that this all grew from a service station in Detroit, but that's how this still family-owned business began way back in 1953. They sustain their growth because they are fueled by their commitment to provide world-class service to their customers. They've done this by reinvesting in their facilities, their employees, their processes. They're always raising the bar on themselves. I got to see this firsthand when I was at their North Canton location in October for a camper college. To see what they have in stock for you, 5,000 RVs on their showroom floors, head on over to generalrv.com just go over to girlcamper.com and follow the link. Thanks, General RV, for helping out girl campers. I've got two fun RV products to talk about in our news roundup today. One of them is the sewer saddle bag. So if you are a member of our Girl Camper podcast Facebook page, you might have seen that I got a little excited when this came in the mail last week. I was in the middle of making cornbread catfish, when I had to just turn off the stove and show everybody, this is a product that was so needed. And Dennis and Joe Baggett, who are longtime RVers, saw the need and they met the need by creating this product themselves. So it does two things. It holds your um, elbow bracket into the sewer receptacle at a dump station or at your site. So, we did this thing a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about dumb things I saw RVers do, including myself, included myself in that, everybody. <laughs> I wasn't just ratting out other people. I was talking about kind of the silly mistakes we make. And so many people wrote in with stories, and a disproportionately large number of those stories had to do with sewer hose mishaps. So you could see where Dennis and Joe were on the right track here. They've created this saddlebag that basically is a saddlebag. Like, imagine a saddlebag that goes on the back of a horse. It is seamed in the middle, 2 velcro openings on either side you fill those little pouches with rocks and you place this over the top of your l-bracket in your sewer hose at the dump station or at your site and it holds it down so when you're at the dump station and you pull the lever for your black water it comes gushing out with a lot of force you do not want that to pop up and that's what a lot of the stories were But in addition to that, I love that this serves the purpose of keeping a tight lid and seal on your L-bracket when you are at your site. So I don't know about you, but I have been at sites where either the opening for the hose, uh, the hole for the dump is maybe bigger than my little L-bracket, or It is um, not got a tight seal on it or a lid to put on it. So then you have methane gases that are escaping. So this little saddle bag, which is made from really heavy duty 18 gauge nylon, it's reinforced with vinyl inside. It's a bright yellow color, like caution tape yellow. So you're gonna not walk away or forget it. You're gonna see that it's there. It's completely washable. They support veterans groups with every purchase. It costs $24.95 and they will give you a 10% off coupon if you use Girl Camper. I just love this product. I. I have not used it yet, I'm going to be honest with you about that, but I can see how well made it is, and I can see that is the right size to do the job, so I'm pretty excited about this thing, and I just wanted to give Dennis and Joe a shout out for this, because I love this kind of innovation that people do when they see a need and they meet it, so I'm going to put a link in the show notes about that, because it's just a great product, and I want everybody to go out and buy it and support people who are, you know, Supporting veterans and making their American dream come true with really nice Made in USA products that are really helpful to people. So thank you, Dennis and Joe. Can't wait to try that. The other fun thing that I have to tell you about is a new wrapping paper that just came out from Camp Co., so last year, when I was in the Christmas spirit, I really wanted to wrap up all of my presents for my Girl Camper friends in RV-themed wrapping paper. Now, I saw some of it out there, but i it was too late. It was gone. I couldn't get it. Or it was at, like, a very expensive gift shop where a single roll of this paper was, like, $17 or $18. And as festive as I like the holidays to be, I wasn't going to spend that on a roll of wrapping paper. So I never did find any RV-themed wrapping paper in my budget last year. But Campco came out this year with that whole line of products, Life is Better at the Campground, And they have RV themed wrapping paper, it just came out. It is on Amazon. It's three rolls. It's $15.99. If you're a Prime member, you can get shipping for free. There's three different designs. So if you've seen their dishes, the white dish with the little campers going around it, there's those same campers. But then there's two other designs. One has a blue background and it's got little canned hams and all different kinds of campers on it and little white and kind of aqua blue evergreen trees. And the other one has a white background and kind of pencil lined evergreen trees with all different kinds of campers. So it has class A's and it has teardrops and it has travel trailers and fifth wheels and motorhomes. So you're bound to hit on whatever um, kind of RV you have. I just wanted to tell you this because These things go out quickly and then you can't get them. So I want to give you the heads up on the Camco wrapping paper. The other cool thing about this wrapping paper is even though it has all the evergreen trees on it and there's reds and greens in it, it is not Christmas paper per se. It's RV themed paper, but I think it would be so cute with a plaid ribbon on it. So Camco's RV themed um, wrapping paper. Life is Better at the Campground series. It's on Amazon. It's 123 square feet. There's uh, 30 inches wide, five and a half yards each. It's just fun, fun and festive. We're going to be back in a minute and we're going to be talking with Lynn. and this is one incredible woman. I can't wait till you can hear her. Hang on. We'll be right back. <music> Welcome back, everyone. It is always a pleasure to welcome a girl camper to the show to share her story. A few days ago, someone posted on Instagram that girl camper interviews are their favorite episodes, and I have to agree, they're my favorite ones too, and I always say... I always say this, you know I always say this, there is no wrong way to camp like a girl. So when my guest, Jolyn Black, reached out to me last year and asked for help finding the right motorhome for her, I was more than happy to lend a hand. I thought she'd want a small class C or maybe a large B, but she had already heavily researched and wanted to go big. The mother of all motorhomes, the class A. JoLynn is here today to share the dream, the process, the reality, and what life on the road is like in her Class A. Lynn, welcome to the show. Thanks, Janine. It's always
1: great to talk to you.
0: Well, I, you know, you and I have had so many conversations as you were building up to this point, and then you made your purchase and really... I've been watching you online, but we haven't talked too much lately. You are a busy girl out there on the road.
1: <laughs> well, once you get the opportunity, you got to grab it by the horns and wrestle it to the ground and take it over.
0: Well, you you have done that, but... Before you did that, there was a process, and I want to talk about that. But before we talk about the process you use to get where you're going, I want to talk about the very, very beginning. What is your camping background? Did you grow up in a camping family? Is this something you're returning to? Or did you just look at all the fun these women are having and say, hey, that looks like my thing. I'm doing it.
1: Well, it's sort of a little bit of both. Um, I started out when I was probably in late elementary or middle school, my parents bought a little Shasta trailer. It was so small, and my dad was such a big man that my brother and I had to sleep outside in pup tents. So I have a little tent camping experience with a camper right by me. But when we moved to Texas uh, at the beginning of my high school years, we didn't bring that with us. And so we didn't camp anymore after that. But when a friend of mine Uh, that I retired a year ahead of me and she and her husband started off with a fifth wheel and then they went to a class C and they would go out and camp from about April till September, October and miss all of the Texas heat and I watched Mm. them go and take pictures and post them where we could see them and one year, she went all the way to Newfoundland, and that was, the, that was it. I, I want to do this. I got to do this. I want to be out there and see things for myself and experience them, experience them for myself. I don't want to live a virtual life. I don't want to just see it on TV, movies, books, magazines. Yeah. I want to know that I've been there.
0: I love that. Yeah, because it, that's an easy thing to fall into. You know, watching the Nature Channel is not the same.
1: Exactly. I mean, I remember when I went uh, uh, international and it was just all of the history that I'd learned and kind of thought it was blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, no, nope, right there is the Mona Lisa. Oh, okay, there is Versailles. You know, it was, Yeah. it made it all real.
0: Right. And, and, and you know, uh, just a couple of days ago, I was framing, finally getting around to framing all the posters that I buy at national parks because <laughs> I, I don't need anything else. And so I decided to hang all these posters from national parks in my office. But I only have posters of parks that I've been to. And when I'm looking at them, they're no longer just a dream. Like, I have so many memories to connect to those posters now. Yeah yeah I understand that not wanting to live a virtual life. now when you when you made the decision like to get out there and and do this living, you know this exploring in an RV, did you right away think i uh, the motorhome is the way for me or did you consider a travel trailer?
1: um i I didn't consider a travel trailer. Mainly because in my research process, I looked through, I started thinking about this, and it was more than a year before I actually bought. Um, I would uh, listen to stories and listen to your podcast. When I found you, it was just like I found my home.
0: And then
1: through you, I found the Puglisi, so RBFTA, you know, listening to them, because even though I don't have a family with small children, I always learn from uh, from them through the equipment they're using or experiences or places they go. So I've tried to broaden my research and my entertainment, I guess, to include different styles of camping so that I can look into it. One of the, the people I listen to is in a class B. And so I kind of looked at all of that and... One of the things that you and several others have mentioned is imagine what, how you're going to camp. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I think about how I'm going to camp, I knew there were two things. I wanted to feel safe and secure as I could because I would be alone most of the time, a single woman. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, well, three things. The other is I wanted to be able to bring friends along. And the third thing is, I'm a quilter, and that just absolutely has to be there.
0: Yes, you wanted to include, you wanted to have space for your hobby.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is, as imperative as somebody is that they want to bring their pets along, I am with my sewing machine and my quilting, just about. I understand. (laughs) And one of the other things you told me was, rent what you think you want and see if that's works out for you and so you did do that right i did i did it was a year before uh i bought that i rented and i thought mainly because my friends that had gone to newfoundland uh chris and don they um had a class c and i went with to their house and would drill them with questions and i mean all the way down to how much is your insurance and you know money things. But Don even let me drive it around and he has a 29 foot class C. And so I was comfortable in that. And what I rented was, it was a 31 foot class C. So just a little bit longer, but I still thought I was okay. And I told the rental place, I don't know how to do any of this. Are you sure I can take it? Mm -hmm. He takes my money, but he hands me the keys. We go drive around He teaches me how to hook up. He teaches me how to dump tanks. You know, as long as you need to feel fairly comfortable. And so the uh, 10 days, four hookups and unhooks, um, 1100 miles, I felt pretty comfortable with a Class C. And so thinking about doing something with a trailer driving in my car I was always, this is a little weird when I think about it, I was always afraid I would forget it was back there and I'd take a corner short or Mm -hmm. just throw it in reverse or something. But when you're in an RV, you can't look in your rear view mirror without going, holy cow, there's a whole house behind me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I felt like I was going to be safer in something I could drive because if I pull up, I'm going to be able to pull the blinds and no one knows if it's me by myself or if there's an army in there. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. that's and good, I've heard from yeah. many of the people you've interviewed. I,
0: I think it's one of the number one perks for women with motorhomes. And and believe me, I think of it myself. I I'm I, I I'd love to try it someday. I I think that's a great perk.
1: It it really is. It, and it's just it's great to, you know, like, I'm driving for six hours, but three in, oh, crud, i got to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I just pull off someplace at, a, you know, a gas station or uh, or a mall or a rest stop anywhere, and all I do is put it in a park, turn it off, go back there, take care of business, come back, start it up, and get back on the road. And I'm in my own bathroom with my own toilet paper in my yeah. own space. Very safe, very clean, very fast. Smack a little pimento cheese in a tortilla, and I've even got lunch ready, and I'm on my way again. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> I, I do, I do love that, I, and I'll, I'll tell you, like in all the pros and cons shows we've done this year, I, there's a con about a travel trailer that I didn't really become really aware of until acutely this summer, and that is. Um, if you're driving in a travel trailer, I, I do like that you can pull over. I can pull. I spent a lot of time in Walmart parking lots this summer where I would just climb into the back of my trailer and pull up the shades. But guess what? I'm roasting in here. It's about a hundred yeah. degrees back here. And the thing about a motorhome is you can pull it over and your generators are running and you've got your fans going and you're you're not dealing with that.
1: Exactly. Uh huh. So it's another your- it's
0: another thing to put in the plus column.
1: True, very true. Well, and I like a a larger space. My house is an open concept. Uh, My ideal of everything is space, and uh, I the motorhome that I picked was a floor plan that was conducive to that, and uh, so it really and that was what shifted me from the class C to the class A floor plan. researching C's and um, shopping them, sitting in them. Uh, That was what I rented and all. And just by chance, one dealer said, well, let me just show you my new Class A. And I went in there, and they were the same length, but the concept of space was so much greater in an A because I didn't have the first 10 feet, Being an engine and then a cab. And a step down. And it's step down. There's a bunk above you, so you only have that little bit of space. With mine, the the ceiling is the same height from the front to the back. So I have a wonderful window up front that when I'm driving, I get to see so much.
0: Yeah, I got to tell you, when you think of you know the fact that you were comparing these two trailers, the uh, motorhomes, the C and the A, and they were the exact same length, then it just becomes about lifestyle choices and finishes and, and what you're talking about, that space, and all things being the same, if you're not going with a C because you want something shorter and you have these two that are the same length, then what you're picking up in that A is that incredible view and, and the continuous floor, because that floor just keeps going until you're in the driver's seat and you, you're not stepping down into it. So and the, don't your chairs in your class A spin around then to become part of the living area?
1: They
0: do, they do, and one of them is even a recliner, so. <laughs> yeah, so I I do have to say that I do, I, when I'm at RV shows, and you're in those Class A's like that, the shorter Class A's, and how long is yours, JoLynn? 31. 31, and they go up to 45.
1: 45, So yeah. you have
0: like one of the shorter ones, but when you're in them. And you're back in the kitchen, and you're looking out front. That window and that view is spectacular.
1: It's pretty amazing. Uh, There have been parts, you know, where you're just kind of like in a parking lot, cordwood, one after another, after another, after another. And then you don't necessarily like having all those windows open. But then I turn around, and I've got all the space inside. But the best part is when you can open all those windows and you're parked by a pond and you can watch the geese fly in and it's just wonderful. It's glorious.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I have to ask you this because... Everyone who's ever gone to an RV show, I I mean, by the time you're there an hour, you're glazing over. That's why Stephanie and Jeremy and and me on this show, we're always talking about your game plan for RV shows. It's so important to go there because you can just, you know, you could be in like a house of mirrors in, you know, five minutes there. So when you get to that RV show and there's so many choices, you can just numb out and start, you know, like drooling. So how, how did you... Like, narrow down your choices. How did you approach it?
1: Well, I started off in RV, uh, RV shows, and you're right. I, I, I pretty much knew I was headed towards a motorhome, so I was, I was able to, you know, kind of knock those uh, fifth wheels and travel bumper pulls off of my list to try and stay focused. But I, the first years, I was in and out of everything. And you know everybody was telling you theirs is the best, and they'd see you coming from one area of of a, of a manufacturer, and they go, "Well, you know, we got this better than they do." And then you go back to the first one, they say, "Yeah, but we've got this better than it is." You do, you glass over. Yeah. <laughs> so the first year was just drinking from a fire hose and not knowing what to do. But after the shows, when I got a little more settled down and a little more thought into it, and found the podcast and started listening to them. It was sort of like, okay, no, I don't care about this aspect. I do, So I started kind of taking a list of things that I cared about. And uh, I knew that I wanted a sofa and a dinette. So that was going to force me into a little bit bigger. I mean, there are some Class A's and C's that are only like 20 feet, 19 feet, 25 feet, but they usually have either a dinette or a sofa. And because I knew I would have, at times, two buddies with me, I needed both. And my best friend's only five, too. So she gets the dinette. at the Nancy bed. She just knows that. <laughs> You're such a good friend. <laughs> well, and I, I made her go with me before I bought it. And said, i got to be sure you fit. <laughs> so she laid, we put the, the dinette down and she laid on it.
0: And Yeah, I'm good, I've, I'm good. I have said that in my podcast. I I don't care how silly you look standing at an RV show, but I would get uh-huh. inside that shower and pretend you're washing your hair and see if your elbows are hitting <laughs> the sides. You've really <laughs> got to sit at the table and say, this will be my view if I'm eating dinner in this trailer. And if I have a sewing machine, where's the closet I'm going to store my sewing machine in? You have to think about all those things and go through that checklist when you're standing in it.
1: Well, and storage is one of the reasons why the Class A was so attractive. Even in a C, there isn't a whole lot of storage underneath in the basement. Uh, There was one model that I found that had like the back three doors, so the one at the very back and the the last one on either side, all opened up to a very large compartment. But still, you had to put everything in that one space. But in an A, I have about five or six that go on the passenger side and another three or four that are on the driver's side that don't do the, uh, the, compre- the generator or the water tanks or the propane, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So I've got a lot of, of uh, lot more storage than if I had a C, and if I'm going to have that sewing machine and all the tools that I need, and then, heaven forbid, I, I limit myself on how much fabric I can take. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that flies in the face of all logic.
0: Uh, yeah, so that's yeah.
1: very important.
0: Quilters need their stuff. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think I think the thing about a Class A too, if, if you're going to be on the road a long time and you have any kind of hobby, um, you, you know, my husband is a landscape painter, and I and I always try to bring this narrowed down little kind of supplies for him. And whenever we get where we're going, he's like, "Oh, I didn't have this, and I didn't have that." Yeah. And, and when you have a, a motorhome, a Class A, you're not limited. You can really take everything you need.
1: I, the way I have my quilt room, because I started off going to quilt retreats, so that's something you've got to take your tools with you. I have a an Ikea cart with drawers, and that's where everything is, so when I get home, I just wheel the cart into the sewing room, and I've unpacked. I uh, wheel the cart, I have little lids that go on each one of the drawers, and that's my whole quilt room right there, as far as tools go, so... I've been able to just put those in one of the uh, basement compartments, and that's that. And then the sewing machine goes in a separate one with other things, and that's taken care of. So it's worked out really well in my research that was measuring everything and making sure it all fit. And then I've used it uh, on my last trip. I used it that way, and it worked out great.
0: So when you were at these RV shows, you were doing that thing. You were in the trailer thinking, this is where I'll be sitting. I like this view. Did did you then narrow it down to like a floor plan? Were you going down this little um, tunnel, getting smaller and smaller all the time with what your options were?
1: I, I, I did. The first one, like I said, it was just, you know, eye candy everywhere around texas in fort worth and dallas they're like in uh november january february so there's nothing else to do but go to an RV show but uh through that next year i really did try and narrow down what i thought i wanted going to different dealerships looking online at floor plans and uh the floor plans that I was seeing, especially when I was working with with the C's, was they had split bathrooms with a shower on one side and the toilet and sink on the other, Mm -hmm. and I knew I didn't like that. The one that I had rented had the sink out by itself, which was fine, because you can brush your teeth and comb your hair, and people can walk behind you. Somebody else could be in the shower, when there's multiple people in there. So that worked out great, but if the shower's out there, that just cuts off half of your rig. Um, so you can't go back and forth. You can't. Nobody else can do anything else. If yeah, because you've got that little shower. door
0: closed between, so yeah. you're blocking off the whole back
1: of it. hmm So I knew I didn't want that. If if I had to, I'd take a sink out there, but that was it. And so that kind of started me knocking down things that I didn't want or based on things I didn't want
0: narrowing down yeah
1: exactly I knew with quilting I needed a kitchen that had a long countertop a straight countertop rather than one that's in an L or in a corner because I was going to need to cut fabric at the countertop and so any corner kitchens that knocks them out but then, when I found the Holy Grail, which was a full wall slide that made <laughs> everything open up, and the whole rig looked so big and spacious, I'm like, this is it. I've mm-hmm. got to have one of these full wall slides. But then my research kicked in again, and I was hearing about problems with them. But what I did find is that Numar is the brand uh, that created the full wall slide, and they had... Mastered it, and they had had it for quite a while. And uh, the user forums that I went to, they were helping me narrow down some things. I don't want to deal with this group because I don't have... Oh, that was the other thing, the dealership. Through hearing from you and the Puglieses, knowing that your dealership is such an important relationship, Mm -hmm. that you get priority if you buy from them. Uh, You need someone who has enough bays in their repair garage that you can get in and get out without having to wait six months for your time in the bay, Um, that the people had been taken care of, that had brought their rigs in, and that they needed to be nearby if you're going to keep using them. So all those things kind of fell into place. And the Newmar dealership that I have bought from is five minutes from my house. It's right here in Louisville. So...
0: Yeah, that is really important to buy from a local dealership. I mean, there are people, and there's a trend in the industry, you know, um, of... Online sellers who really are brokering it and they deliver it to your house—you've got no walkthrough, you've got no dealer to take it to. You save a couple thousand dollars, but what does that cost you in the long run? I, I don't think I it's worth the trade-off.
1: I agree because when I got my rig, they did a big orientation with me, but I—you know—you're drinking through a fire hose again, and I like—I couldn't remember how to go from. Antenna, the TV to go from antenna to satellite dish to cable. And I had to go back a second time. And all I needed was that information. And they happily came out and took care of that with me. And I was on my way.
0: Yeah. And you know what? And when you live nearby, sometimes you don't even have to bring your own rig over. You can just stop in and they can show you on one of the ones on the floor out in the lot oh let me take you in here and show you and and, you know you don't even have to bring the thing
1: over and when i had ordered it but hadn't taken possession of it yet uh i did we went over and i said how big are the compartments He said right here is one that will be like yours look at this and so they did they helped me out a lot i worked i worked with uh national indoor rv center here in Louisville. it's a dallas location and my uh, salesman, Keith Kelly, he didn't push. He didn't um, try and tell me what I wanted because I didn't have one dealership do that. I walked in saying I want a straight kitchen. I don't want a split bath. I want a dine in. Da, 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 da. And he said, oh, you don't want that. Let me show you what you're going to want. Oh, and my gosh. I, I, <laughs> I, I, no, no, thank you. That's I, never I really, good. I don't have time.
0: Yeah. Did you walk out? I did. Yeah,
1: good. Yeah. Because when someone comes in and tells you what
0: they want, you should listen.
1: Yeah, I wanted someone to work with me, not at me. And uh, Keith, I mean, because I, I met him at a show. I worked with him at the dealership, but it was questions. It was, what would this cost? What if I did this? What if I did that? And he'd always answer my questions. He never pressured me. He said, "When you're ready, you let me know."
0: And I want he to make sure we put out Keith's last name. What is his last name?
1: Keith Kelly.
0: Keith Kelly, nice Irish guy, huh?
1: I believe so. Big Irish guy. At National RV. At National Indoor RV Center.
0: Okay, National Indoor RV Center is in the Dallas area. Yes, ma'am. And so, if you and go there, we're giving you a personal recommendation for Keith Kelly. <laughs> he did give him the girl camper seal of approval
1: (laughs) he he deserves that more he did call me because that year um the 2018 models they were running out of chassis before they ran out of year and he said i'm down to only about six chassis so you might want to make a decision if you want this year if you aren't in a hurry and you want to wait till next year then that's that's your decision and uh and then I hadn't pulled the, the, the lever yet, but I saw him at the Dallas show. <clears throat> and uh, he said, Jo there's only two chassis left for this year. I said, okay. And I was kind of freaking out because I was like, this is what I want. This is what I don't want to wait another year. Right. But what do I do? And uh, this is something as a single woman, I didn't have anybody to lean on, anybody to really run things through that knew what I wanted, what I needed, you know, they would tell me what they would do, and so, I mean, I prayed this thing up one side (laughs) and down the other, but I was paralyzed because I was afraid I was going to make the wrong move since was so much money, and I ended up going to, um, I was in, in the church for another reason, but I was talking to my pastor, and he was always asking me, when are you going to buy this thing? When are you going to buy this thing? I said, mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for a sign. He said, tell me you don't need trumpets and fireworks. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> he said, go buy it. You've researched it. You can afford it. You, yeah. you know, not putting that before anything else. You already have plans on how you're going to use it. What is holding you back? And I said, Nothing. I'm going to go over there today and do it. So
0: I did. <laughs> he he was your sign.
1: <laughs> he was my trumpet and my fireworks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And sometimes you just need someone to tell you to pull the trigger, and you did. You did tons of research. You yes. ended up buying a Numar, but what was the specific model?
1: I ended up with a Numar Base Star. and I Got there. Because, oh, yeah. Star. It's one of their smaller ones, but. It was, um, in all of my research and paralysis, I needed a neutral third party that wasn't telling me why theirs was better than everybody else's, and I ended up with the Motorhome Comparison Guide. It's like the Consumer Report, but for motorhomes, so it has A's, um, B's, C's. For multiple years, every year they bring it out, and they uh, talk about all kinds of different models within the manufacturers, uh, pluses and minuses, and Newmar ended up coming in second in the Class A gas that I was interested in, and uh, then when I went and saw them and found my model, when I knew the dealership was right here by me, it's just like all the stars align. That comparison guide was my voice of reason. that I'm going to put a link in the show out.
0: notes. I want to put a link in the show notes for that motorhome comparison guide so other people can take a look at it. Now you just mentioned something that I think people might find interesting. You chose a gas model. Why did you go with gas instead of diesel?
1: One is price. <laughs> yeah. That was a big one. But um, I... Was feeling a bit overwhelmed to think I'm going to figure out how to drive this thing. I'm going to figure out how to camp in this thing. I'm going to figure out all the systems. And whenever I thought about adding diesel and the what is it DSE and the air lifting the thing up and putting mm-hmm. the thing down, there's it was more than I could handle, and okay. I just. Are, I can do it with gas. I understand gas engines. Well, that's a way big overstatement. But okay. I've driven them before.
0: <laughs> well, that's what, you're, guess, that's what you know.
1: We all yes, know about guess, gas. You didn't want to take on
0: one more learning curve.
1: That's right. And in my research, it was, yes, I would get better mileage. I would le- need less maintenance. But... Diesel is not always easy to find, and diesel mechanics are not always easy to find. So just knocking that out of my equation helped me keep focused on what I did want.
0: Now, another one of the things that you decided to do when you bought yours was to tow a vehicle behind it. So, you, you know, your get-around car, and the car you already owned, for some reason, could not be towed. I, and I never knew that until you told me that. Not every car is towable behind a motorhome. So, you ended up choosing another car to just be your tow car, why did you um, do that instead of just, like, getting rid of your home car and buying some a new car that could be towed behind it? And what made you go with the four-down towing system instead of a dollying it?
1: Um, again, research uh, led me to the four-down, four wheels on the ground versus doing a dolly or even a trailer. Um Again, that trailer was one of those things I was afraid I would forget it was back there. Uh, But it was another thing that you would have to register, another piece of equipment you would have to maintain, another piece of equipment that could have a failure. So uh, I just felt like with all the research that I did that there was no reason to not tow four down. That just seemed like what the majority was doing and what uh, most were happiest with. Um, not all cars are towable four down. Uh, they have transmissions or different things in the cars that don't handle that well. And my car was like that. And since my car was only four years old and is fully paid for, yeah. I didn't get rid of it. <laughs> it's a good car and I love it. So I kept it. But I did need a relatively inexpensive car that I could pull behind me. And I knew I needed one because when I rented that C uh, the year before, I went to places where I would have loved to have gone on a little day trip someplace. But I was going into smaller towns to, to um, have Explore. adventures, mm-hmm. and there, there wasn't a place I could park the RV. I mean that thing's thirty-one foot long, and if all you've got is nose-in parking on a main street, I can't—I can't think people would like it if I took up about six or seven spots just to yeah park the motorhome because I wanted to come see the sliced bread museum, which is actually something I wanted to see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is there one a sliced bread museum?
1: There is. <laughs> it's up near Hamilton, Missouri, because I had gone up to Missouri Star Quilting. And there was no place for me to park that car, uh, that RV. And so the good thing was I was there for uh, a conference that was there and I could walk from the American Legion Hall where I parked behind the football stadium (laughs) to the downtown. It was just a quick little walk Mm -hmm. to uh, get to all the conference and everything. But I really couldn't take the motorhome any place in town and the towns that I were going, that I wanted to go visit, those were all going to be small towns just like Hamilton was, and so I knew I, I wouldn't have a place to park the motorhome, so okay. I needed a car.
0: Okay, so you you, you got the uh, you decided to tow with the four down. I want to ask you how you learned to drive the RV because it's not the same. It's like we all drive a car. When you're driving a travel trailer, when you're pulling a travel trailer, you're pulling it in in something that you drive every day, your car or your truck as your everyday vehicle. And then when the trailer is behind it, it kind of just follows you. I I feel like there's just much bigger kind of learning curve to a motor home did you take any special classes how did you learn how far do I need to pull out before I can turn here and not take out the gas pump
1: Um, when I rented that C, the gentleman took me around I mean I guess he was with me for about two or three hours maybe but um, he had me driving the one I was going to rent so I had someone there that told me about a C, but a C ended up being just like driving. I mean, my family's always had pickup trucks. It's just like driving that until you look in the rearview mirror, and then I kind of always would freak out and <laughs> see a house there. But in the A, the wheel is underneath you, not in front of you. So I knew it was going to be different. Um, before I took possession of the RV, I asked. Uh, for uh, about a driving class and they had a brochure there of this uh, RV driving school and they weren't going to be in town at the at the time that my RV was but Keith had taken me out he let me drive it he helped teach me to park it yeah we were only out there for I don't know 45 minutes maybe an hour and he even had another salesman with him listening to how he taught me and what my questions were and that kind of thing. So uh, it was actually a saleswoman, actually. And so we were out there parking and trying to learn a little bit of space. But the day I signed the papers, I spent the weekend there at the the RV lot, uh, at the dealership lot, learning how to do the systems and loading it up and stuff. And then on Monday, I left out to drive to Kentucky to uh, go see my family. So you and didn't wait. You dove right in. I dove right in. And, but I knew that I wasn't secure. And I still had that RV driving school uh, flyer. And I called them while I was in Kentucky and lined up a class when I got back. No, I did that before I left because I said, I'm leaving on Monday. So I must have done it right when I took ownership possession of the of the motorhome, and said, what do I need to know before I leave? Because he wasn't going to be there for another month. And he said, what you need to do is make sure your hips are past where you want to turn. And other than that, it's just like driving the seat. And so that was the tip that he gave me. And everywhere I went, I thought, okay, this is how a bus driver does things. Yeah, yeah. And I just made sure I made wide turns. If I had to wait forever for traffic, I didn't care.
0: Yeah, you can't and be worried about who's behind you and if they're beeping.
1: Exactly. And nobody's ever beeped at me. That's been very nice. And uh, and then when uh, what I knew I wasn't comfortable with was parking. So everywhere I went, I had to have a pull-through spot. And that's not always possible at all the different rv parks or campgrounds or anything so i knew i needed help and uh so i took a class and it was two four-hour days and he helped me learn to park to the left park to the right even parallel park to some places out on the west coast i believe have parallel parking. Have you found that?
0: I did. At, uh, when I was at Badlands National Park I had to parallel park pull in parallel parking with my, my travel trailer behind me. But I did it. So, I, I got it in there. Yeah. And I, I did too.
1: And I was I said, I'm never gonna do that. I don't even parallel park my car. And he goes, Nope, we're gonna do this and sure enough he you know, he said, Okay, when that little cone is at this spot in your mirror turn your wheel hard to the left you know that kind of thing and so he gave me the guidelines to judge where where i am in space and he put himself out in front of the rv and i thought it was like right on the bumper he said now hard cut your wheel to the left so i want you to see that you will pass me i'm not going to
0: you were afraid of
1: hitting him I was. And sure enough, that thing can turn in the front. I can get out of the, out of somebody's way. And I actually had to use it in my last uh, trip. I pulled into a, a, a gas station, and there were no cars. It was at a convenience store. No cars in front of me. I had plenty of room to make my turn. And just as I was taking the nozzle out, three cars pulled up. And parked right so in I front of you? Right there, yep. And uh, I two went away real quick. Another one just stayed, and I went in and asked, you know, can they move this car? And nobody came out for about five or ten minutes. So I just started easing up, and I look, yeah, I still got a foot. Ease up, look, still got a foot. Yeah, I was able to pull out.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes it's better to just wait until. I had a similar situation not long ago where a very tight little gas station because my truck and trailer together are over 40 feet. So I was in the gas pump just as you were, and then a bunch of people parked in the convenience spaces right in front. So I, I just did not have enough room to get my truck out far enough without hitting one of those cars. And I just sat there and waited for everybody to come out and leave, you know. <laughs> and and I knew when I was pulling in that, you know, that it could turn into an issue. But you know what? Sometimes you're just in a very remote place and that's, you know, your option. And, you know, you just deal with it when it's there you've been on a lot of road trips now. You just came back from a seven-week road trip. What would you say, if I had to say to you on a scale of one to ten, what's your comfort level now behind the wheel?
1: Since I have now driven through the Smoky Mountains, I'd say I'm up around an eight. Okay. Maybe, Maybe even a little higher, but I've never been through mountains, and in Texas all our roads are flat and straight, have great lines, usually great lighting, and I I have never loved boring roads in Texas so much as when I'm coming out (laughs) of the Smoky Mountains going, thank you, Jesus, you delivered me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the Smokies are so beautiful, but the roads are very narrow, and there's no shoulders. I I mean, a lot of... I'll take
1: your... I'll take your word for it, because
0: I was too afraid to look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, coming in and out of Gatlinburg, and it's it's such a beautiful drive, going from, like, Pigeon Forge into Gatlinburg and that whole area there. It's just a little tiny shoulder. It's not a shoulder that would even hold a car. So if you had yeah. to stop or break down, you'd have to put on your emergency flashers. There's just no room for error there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I it, want to... I want to tell everybody, because you and I know this, and I think it's unfair to paint a picture that, um, hey, you know, hey, I bought this great motorhome, I did all my research, I took the lessons, and that's why I'm enjoying it, so, and everything's gone beautifully. Early on in your journey here, you had a pretty serious incident happen. Do you want to share that?
1: (laughs) Uh, Sure. You Um, handled it well. Uh, I, I I'm a surprise at myself, very surprised at myself. Uh, it was that first trip that I drove to Kentucky, and I drove uh, about six hours, which normally would only take about four for anybody else. But first time out, and I spent the night in a campground, and then I went another uh, to between Nashville and Memphis and spent the night, and then I drove it into Kentucky. Spent several weeks with my mom, came back. I camped two nights in Nashville, uh, between Nashville and Memphis again. Same parts because I knew them. And then I would spent some time in Little Rock. uh, So I had spent the night there, two nights there. I leave out uh, to head home. I'm just on the last leg of the trip. Everything had gone great. And I was two hours south of Little Rock, just coming into Texarkana, and I feel this nudge. And I thought, is that what a flat tire feels like? And I look in my rearview mirror on the passenger side, and there is the car beside me, not behind me. Oh, my gosh. And I I didn't. I just said, okay, that's not good. Let's pull off the road. So I pulled off the road, and wouldn't you know it, there were construction barrels there that I had to mow down, but they had to go (laughs) because I had to pull off. And uh, I got back there, and a pin had come out of the hitch. Now, I don't know if it broke or if it fell out or, or what, because the pin also had a cotter pin at the end of it, and I don't know what happened. But okay. all I know is it was great for two hours on a really bumpy road, but it wasn't there then. And so I looked at it all, and what I knew had happened was the safety cables had stayed in place. That's why the car could swing over and just tuck behind that right uh, right rear corner. The power cord had stayed in place, so when I push on the brakes on the motorhome, the brakes in the car went on. Thank and God. And that let mm-hmm. me piece it off. And there's also... A